Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. In case we haven't met, my name's Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. Uh, This is uh, my wife, Brenda. Tyler Hartford, and Jordan Kearns. Tyler has been a pastor for many, many, many years and uh, is currently leading an organization called Ivana Network of Churches. And so Tyler attends Restore. He's part of us. And um, every once in a while, we bring him uh, on stage and ask him to preach. And uh, he does a great job with that. Jordan is our pastor of Connections. And uh, he preaches part of the time as well. This is my wife, Brenda. And she preaches sometimes. So over the course of the last six weeks, you have seen one of us up here each weekend. And we've been in the, in the uh, book of Galatians. And so this writing of Paul to the church in Galatia covers a multitude of things. But the overarching theme of this is Christ alone, by faith alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. That is the overarching theme for this book. But within the context of the book, we find ourselves looking at all kinds of subjects that are so relevant to you and I today. There's so many things as we dug in, as we, as we prepared for these messages, that we, at the end of this now, are saying, all right, um, let's write another chapter. And so this morning, we're in Galatians 7, and we're going to uh, try to draw out some deeper uh, thoughts that we have about some of the subjects that we did, or sometimes we just didn't have time to hit all of them that we wanted to. And so we're going to be talking a bit more about that. And um, I'll act as moderator up here, and we'll move us, I'll move us along as, as need be. But, um, you know, as we looked at each one of these chapters, it was significant uh, for us that uh, they, there are so many real world, right now, circumstances that are brought out as we read this book. I mean, it is Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. It's the ancient church of Galatia. And here we are. And we are still behaving in many ways like the church in Galatia did. And so this, our hope has been through this series of, of conversations around the book of Galatians that we would be inspired to live differently, that we would choose to live differently partially because of what we're reading, what we're being taught, and partially because the Spirit of God is in, um, in us. And we are, he implores us to keep changing, to keep moving his direction, to keep changing our minds so that we are in alignment with him. And so I'll just start things off this morning by, um, we looked at uh, chapter one and um, verses six and seven. You'll see those on the screen. Uh, Really, uh, Paul is shocked at what has happened. As Paul has observed and as he has heard about what has happened in the church of Galatia, he says, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. So this morning we wanna talk about what are the alternative gospels that emerge right now? What are those alternative gospels that we can easily subscribe to? And so, uh, Brenda, you also uh, are gonna talk about 
how do we add to that to the gospel? So not only, and, and in a sense, when we add to the gospel, we are creating an alternative gospel. And an alternative gospel that is no good news at all. And so, any thoughts from the panel? I'll just open it up with that. What are the, in what ways is the gospel being twisted or misrepresented today? And I'll go first, since you're still thinking about it. So one of the ways that the gospel is being misrepresented or twisted today is um, when, we, when we think about, um, uh, when, we, when we observe what it happens on, let's just go to social media real quick, or um, in the writing of uh, a variety of reporters, uh, the media itself. So we can point to that, and we can point to social media. But we can also point to ourselves and what happens inside of us when we find ourselves out of alignment, we are not agreeing with the position of someone else that is in the public space or that is in our private space. That's even more difficult when we're out of alignment. And it's, I think, important to note that we are in the holiday season and we just got, back with, got done with Thanksgiving and uh, maybe you were with relatives which uh, you are out of alignment with. And maybe they're with you this morning. Who knows? Maybe you're, you brought them as guests. As it is, uh, we often find ourselves there. And so how do we, uh, like when, when we think about, uh, I'll just go to um, a patriotism, which I think is good. National patriotism, I think is good. Um, if we go to nationalism, Christian nationalism, where we believe uh, certain things about how our nation should be uh, considered and run. When we allow our f politics to inform our faith instead of our faith informing our politics. These are some ways, because in the middle of all of that, we can get really sideways about what is most important, what is preeminent, what is the most important for us for our generations that follow us? What are the things that we will stand on? And what is the true gospel about all of this? So I've opened that can. Does anybody want to jump in? I just say the best move is leave the room. When politics comes up, I just leave the room. <laughs> right? I hope that was helpful. Okay, this is so unscripted, and, and there are a few of us up here that are a little squirmy about that. So bear with us as we um, gather our thoughts around all of this. But as I taught from, actually, from Galatians 3, I, I think I mentioned in that that the word is out that Galatians was actually the first book that Paul wrote. So to me... It was like, it was really, really soon after their freedom. And so then I think I, I think I understand his, you guys are crazy, right? Like, how could you so quickly forget? And then I had to think about our own spiritual journeys and how when we came to this freedom in Christ, you know, how it's amazing for such a season, but then how quick it is for us to even, like these new even these new disciplines, new practices that we put into place can become religion. And so looking at how do we, how do we subscribe to the law in 2022, 
can be really good things, but it depends on it depends on um, if we're doing it if we're doing these things out of a relationship for Christ, or if we are doing them for approval, uh, for God's approval, for the pastor's approval, you know, for for each other's approval, we can quickly become into this thing of expectations. So I think about things like coming to church, um, giving, serving, all the things that we talk about doing here. We have communion. We baptize. Like, those things can quickly become religion and legalism if our, if, if our heart is in the wrong place. So they can, like I said... All of a sudden, we're just doing these things because it's what we do, because we're Christians, and we forget about the meaning that's behind it. So I just wrote down a few things. Um, Talk to God about it, right? Talk to God about these things. If you've gotten into this place where it's just what I do because what's expected of me or because I'm a Christian and I should do all these things... um, Think about where it's coming from. So are you doing it from or are you doing it for? Is this being led by the spirit? Are you being led by self? Is it to um, for God to be seen or for you to be seen? Is it about grace or the law? Is it guided by faith or does it need no faith? Because that's where we step into self when I don't need any faith to make this happen. Um, You don't need a lot of faith to come to church. But why are you coming to church? Again, we believe it's a really, really good thing because God calls us to community. But if all of a sudden I'm just doing it because that's the expectation of man, um, then it's it's not for God. You can, uh, I mean, you know coming to church can lead you to a spouse too so i mean there is that side of it so there's benefits (laughs) there's benefits okay there's benefits okay so i met my wife in the church no i'm okay okay (laughs) all right i'm done for the morning thank you (laughs) do you want to add tyler any anything to that because i have i have another point no 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 it's completely different so if you do you want to add well uh i think what you're touching on brenda it reminds me of uh chapter four verse six because you are his children or sons, daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave but God's child. If we were to embrace the position that the gospel is a gospel of freedom that starts with every one of us turning towards the Father and saying, Abba, 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 I love you, Lord. Um, that shifts. Um, I grew up in a tradition where, you know, thankfully I met Jesus through it. But if we didn't get baptized a certain way, um, you know, you're thinking about how we add to the gospel. I'm thinking the way that we put religious trappings on things. I was in a tradition where if you believed that the world may end differently than perhaps the way the teaching position of that church, uh, then you clearly weren't a Christian or I mean, Jordan, not to put you on the spot too much here, but like, you know, in some charismatic background, like if you haven't had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and prayed in tongues, then clearly, you know, you're not a true Christian. So we, we, some of us may have that kind of baggage where we need to stop and say, but 
if the Spirit at least has called us towards the Father through Jesus Christ, where we say, Abba, Father, that's the beginning of the gospel. And then it's a lifelong journey of letting those fruits of the Spirit come out into our lives. So uh, that, that's where I feel like sometimes I'm always trying to shed how we've added to the gospel. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I spent a good part of my younger days exactly what you described, um, growing up in more of a charismatic background. Uh, I remember coming down front because, you know, after every service, you got to have an altar call, right? And people crying and laying on the floor. And I can't tell you how many times I would sit, you know, in the student section or whatever and be like, like, is there something wrong with me? Why am I not feeling this? Um, I would go down front. I would lift my hands in worship. And as people around me would be praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, whatever, I'm just like, I, there's clearly something wrong with me. And I would ask God, like, come on, open up. And I, I can't tell you how many times, and maybe you've been there too, if you wanna um, nod your head or just in your heart, but like, I felt less than. What a crappy feeling. What a crappy feeling. And it's not necessarily it was driven by the pastor or anything like that, but it's my wrong thinking, my twisting of, of, of Scripture. I know for me, when you kind of pose this question, um, I didn't have anything like pre-planned in my head, but when you said that, one thing I, I spoke about a couple months ago is on knowing Jesus and how a lot of times we can, uh, I don't necessarily, I don't think twist is the right word. I, I struggle with finding descriptors a lot of times as, as I tell a lot of you. But for me, I've bought a lot of Christian books uh, over the years, still have this year. And it wasn't till, uh, you know, midway through the year when I just kind of felt this dry cycle in my life that not like there was this audible voice by God or anything like that, but I felt like, Jordan, you're spending all these resources, your time, your energy, going through these books of these authors. Sure, some of them are church pastors, some of them are famous pastors, and so it's gotta be good, but I really felt the nudge of like, why aren't you opening up this? Why are you filtering everything through these other individuals? Tyler, you and I had a long conversation a couple weeks ago, just kind of offhand of, we don't live in a culture, like, like we want things handed to us. The Bible is hard to read sometimes. I, I do understand that. But man, I've spent a lot of my time reading other people's thoughts of God, which is not always wrong, instead of opening this up and really understanding what he's saying about me and his revelation towards me. So that's what I had to that point of just adding, twisting. So Tyler, uh, talk to us a little bit about what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, in chapter two, uh, we, uh, Paul writes about this. He writes about it in chapter three and four. It's littered throughout the Galatians, uh, the book of Galatians is this idea of how do we live free? And how is it that um, we often, I mean, Scripture also tells us from 1 Corinthians 10 that, that uh, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So give us some perspective on that. 
Uh, Gene leans into this a little bit because he knows I was sitting in his office a while ago saying, honestly, this is one of the this is one of the points of the Christian faith I wrestle with the most. I just referenced legalism. What does it mean to have freedom in Christ when we realize that when we say yes to Jesus, we're laying everything down, right? We give everything up to follow Jesus. That's a sacrifice, which then means that when we follow Jesus, there are certain ways of behaving that sometimes just feels like rules, right? Like God is some kind of cosmic killjoy. Um, but Galatians is a great place to go, right? I mean, the first chapter, in the first couple of verses, it says that um, <laughs> he sent his son to deliver us from this evil age, which this age is continuing. And we've referenced some of these verses, but I'm going to jump over to chapter 5, where it starts with, it is freedom that Christ has set us free, then it says, stand firm, which doesn't mean like chase off into every area you can think of and whatever you want to do, which I think our culture has a different view of freedom, which means I do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, and it doesn't matter what the collateral damage is. But here it says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery without rehashing all of the old, the old ways we've you know, the other ways we've talked about Jesus, but Jesus comes and says, I give you an easier yoke, right? Like, no matter what, you're going to come under a set of beliefs and ways of understanding and ways of believing and behaving that's a yoke, like an oxen yoke, right? And so you have a choice of whether or not it's going to be slavery or Jesus, right? Uh, slavery to sin, but then if you go down a little further, it says in chapter 5, verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So we know that there's this rootedness in love, the Abba Father. We're reaching out to the Lord through Jesus Christ. Very different than some kind of rigid, rule-based, behavior-based, legalistic way of looking at it. Then it goes in chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, I think we have a little time later where we'll get into um, the acts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, and the acts of the flesh. But I just wanted to know again here: we have this freedom to choose and to do what we want, but it's not to indulge the flesh, but rather to display our lives as lives of love towards our neighbors and our Savior. Okay, so I'm just going to give one quick example, and I need you to really hear me carefully because I'm going to parse. It's like you asked for application. Okay. So where I live in this tension of following Jesus, let's take a headline. For example, the shooting that just happened at Club Q, right? Many of you may know about that. I sit in this tension of saying, okay, I know what nightclubs are. Not that I've participated a lot in them, but I do know what the end goal is in a lot of these settings. Is It's tied to a hookup culture. It's tied to a culture of pursuing uh, your, your earthly pleasures. Regardless of your sexual persuasion, 
This is the goal of such an institution. To live your life following that direction will end in heartbreak. It does not result in a lifelong journey towards commitment and loyalty and relationship, okay? It's, it's actually about pursuing the flesh and breaking relationships on a regular basis. On the other end, the person coming in and choosing violence to express their disappointment in how that lifestyle is or that way of, of um, coming together in, in nightclubs is also not a biblical way of living, right? Like to think that we solve things at the, the, the uh, end of a barrel is, is um, these are extreme examples. But the reality of it is when we look at the acts of the flesh, starting with hatred, starting with rage, starting with selfish ambition, those fruit, when they ripen, come out in these forms. So a Christian stands and weeps with what has happened both in the club and at the end of a gun. Does that make sense? We are called to be Jesus in the middle of that. And we come and we grieve with those who have been wounded and, and families who have lost loved ones because the Lord desires that no one should die. But we also stand with the shooter's family and we say, oh my word, Lord, like how broken is this heart and this life? These, these are people who are loved by God as well. And we sit in this tension in our media and the secular gospel says, you're not allowed to stand there. You have to take a side. But we're in a third place where Jesus is weeping over all of this. Does that make sense? Then that's, that is tied to freedom, right? Um, we can talk more about that, but I, I'll give more space to the panel. Well, I think this whole idea of freedom as we're talking about it, as Paul is talking about it here, is actually a life of surrender, yeah. which can feel really can feel kind of counterintuitive that in order to have freedom, I actually surrender. But we're surrendering self. And so in your example of a yoke, Tyler, I see um, you talk about a yoke of slavery, which, again, that's like guided by self. We're yoked to our flesh, per se. And when we yoke up with Jesus, it's not to keep us in a spot. It's to say, I'm with you. Like, you don't have to carry this alone. I'm asking you to give up your life, to give up all these things, but I'm with you. Like, I am doing this with you. And I think that's where freedom comes is like, we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to do it on our own knowledge, our own strength, or all that. Um, but I think that's where sometimes we can get a little sideways with, well, I'm free, so why do I have to do all these things? And again, it's why am I doing, is it for self or am I doing it out of this relationship with Jesus? Yeah, that, that is really good input. Um, I, um, I, it segues into this next portion of scripture from uh, chapter 2, verse 11, where, um, where Paul now comes and says to Peter, uh, well, Paul says that I had to oppose Peter uh, to his face for what he did was very wrong. So, so the backstory is that Peter um, was, was living free before some of uh, the Judaizers came to Antioch. 
And when they showed up at Antioch, he reversed his position. And, um, and it's not like he was saying, well, I'm no longer following Jesus. He was parsing out, okay, I'm this one thing, which was eating together with the Gentiles. So there was this, uh, if you were born as a Jew, which Peter was and Paul was, if you were born as a Jew, uh, you had this pious position that now I am right because I am one of, uh, I am a Jew by birth, which gives me a status. This gives me this righteousness. And a Gentile because, so anyone that was not a Jew, which would be most of us, when a Gentile was born, it was automatically assumed they were people of sin because, well, they weren't Jew. It was that simple. Some of us have grown up in cultures where because of decisions that we've made, which do not, and do not at all uh, move us out of the presence of Jesus or relationship with Jesus, but because of decisions we've made of not doing things the way that our, our, our generations before us did. So uh, just, let's just go bare bones here. If you grew up Amish, for example, and you decided that you were not going to be Amish anymore, um, it's the same with the Baptists, uh, Baptists, you'll find this happening as well in the Baptists. And de denominations have some peculiar things about them, some of them. That if you choose, so if you were, grew up Amish and you decided you weren't going to be Amish anymore, and uh, yet you were still following Jesus, you were not living in sin. You were actually following Jesus. Some of you have experienced the shunning, which is basically what was happening in this Jewish culture as well. They were just shunning the Gentiles. And so they were, had to eat at a separate table. This is still happening today in the United States, which seems really bizarre, but it is still happening today. And it is still breaking families apart. It is still causing tons and tons of trauma and pain, just as it did in this ancient culture. Peter had come in and said, I can eat with the Gentiles. No big deal. He, I mean, he had the vision where all the animals came down in that, that sheet uh, looking thing and everything the voice said to him God said to him hey it's all clean don't call what I've made unclean it's all clean so he takes that into his relationship with the Gentiles in Antioch and says okay I guess I'm good until people show up that say otherwise and then not only did he influence he was he influenced but he also influenced because he was a leader he was Peter he influenced everybody else. And so the rest of the Christians started also separating themselves from the very people that they had uh, aligned themselves with earlier. Peter became a faker in that moment because of convenience. It was inconvenient to remain in relationship with the Gentiles. And so he ends up withdrawing for the sake of convenience. I would just note that Paul says, I confronted Peter in front of everybody. There are very few of us that should attempt to confront a leader in front of everybody. And there are even less of us that can do that effectively through the means of social media. And I just want to say to you guys, like, you've made me really proud. Like, I don't, I've said this before, and just bears repeating. Uh, over the course of the last uh, three years, 
we have become uh, more divided, more, um, more falling more deeply out of unity than I have ever remembered seeing before. And yet, and I know part of it might be because we keep pounding on this here. Like, parse your words. Know your people. Speak kindly. Uh, if you can confront someone one-on-one, most of us should just rely on that. The ability to one-on-one converse with each other and say, here's where we part ways. Here's where we need to do things differently. Here's what you said. Here's what I would like to say to you about that. Here's where I would like to bring correction. Can you hear me? And most of us understand that in our communication with each other, questions are much more palatable than statements. I believe God calls us. I believe the the way of Jesus calls us to questions, asking questions, showing value. When I walk up to you and make a statement about something I believe about you without asking first, your ability to receive that is diminished almost to zero for most of us. But when I take a special interest in you, when I ask you questions, Tyler, and I say, what about this? You said this, I wonder about this. And you respond very differently than if I come at you with a hammer. So Paul addresses Peter publicly because Peter's actions as a leader confuse the whole group. Sometimes some people need to be called to account publicly. Most of the time, though, for you and I, it is this one-on-one conversation where we gain understanding, and we often are able to maintain unity and peace because of the one-on-one confrontation. Okay, so it is 11.05, and I uh, I knew this would happen. So um, I think a good place to end this would be, Jordan, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, fruit of the Spirit? Ooh, fruit of the Spirit, yeah. Were you prepared to talk about that? Uh, we, we definitely can. <laughs> we definitely can. Um, I, no, I, I, I mean, when I spoke, fruit of the Spirit's in chapter five, and when I spoke, I, I said, I was like, hey, Gene, there's like, I know what, He's like, I gave you a softball for that week. I was like, yeah, but I'm not even gonna hit, like I'm not even gonna hit that softball, and I and I didn't I didn't touch on the fruit of spirit so much. Um, we are gonna do a series coming up in the new year, which is really cool. But I will say this: what I what I learned about the fruit of the spirit. Um, most of my life, I've sat in church services where uh, I felt the obligation to, um, you know, come away from those settings, felt the obligation to uh, produce the fruit in my life, love, joy, peace. I need a lot of patience these days. I didn't think I needed it, but I need a lot of patience these days. And so, honestly, if I can be completely real with you all, and with you all, with you all, It wasn't up until doing the study 
of chapter five that I began to understand that it's not me that produces the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I'm, I'm sure you guys are well on the mark and way you know, advanced in, in knowledge than what I am. But for me, biblically, it's the Holy Spirit that is evident in our lives. That I don't need to come away, and again, it goes back to works-based. That I have to produce. And when I read the um, uh, verse 22, chapter five, I said it like this, and it messed with my mind for a little bit, but I said it, it's out there. That the fruit of the Spirit is this natural living product inside of us. Like an apple tree is what I said. An apple tree doesn't have to work at producing apples. It's the natural um, uh, source of life that's flowing through it. And that messed with me because it went against everything that my body tries to do, my mind tries to do. Oh man, I need to have more patience this week because I went off on my boys. And so I try and I try and let me tell you, I fail the next week and I fail again. And I can quickly fall into this less than mindset. God calls us to keep in step with the Spirit. He gives us the answer, like, how do we do this? He says, keep in step with the Spirit in verse 25. That's what I want to pattern my life under. That's what I want to pursue. And then from that being, you know, it's like a long walk with God. Over time, that fruit begins to pop up. I don't have to do a crash course on joy. If I'm walking with the Spirit, and that is hard, but if we're honest with one another, can lift one another up towards that, keeping in step, that's what, that's kind of what I learned. Yeah, I wanna touch on something you said about uh, living, did you say living with the Spirit? Yeah. And I think that can be one of those things like, what in the world does that mean? How do I live with the Spirit, right? This morning I had a beautiful example pop into my life. I uh, had to get a new iPhone because my screen was cracked because there was no screensaver. Um, And I realized when I got to church that my iWatch is no longer paired. So they are working independent of each other But when they are paired, I get notifications on my iWatch that are on my phone. So how do we tie this all together? They can work independent of each other, but when they work together, when they are paired, they they inform each other. They work together. And I think this is what this life in the Spirit is, is when we are paired with the Holy Spirit, when we are choosing to, to... Use the help, right? Those indications, those notifications. Then I can go through life and I can be alerted to like, oh, hey, how about this? It's kind of what I call this like check in my spirit. It may be to do or to not to do. But I think that is key in all of this and key key to part what what you were saying, Jordan, in like, it's not something we have to produce. We are guided by it. Yeah, Yeah. it's not the, I wrote down, it's not the fruit of our own efforts. Exactly. Which goes, it it messes with me, but 
like, how do we, like, you know, how do we keep in step with the Spirit? When does the fruit show up in our life? Mm -hmm. I wrote down this, that fruit isn't achieved by working, which we said, but it is birthed by abiding, being paired. I, I, I being love Being paired, you said. yeah. Like, just being paired with him. And then another key thing is then action. Like, we don't come to this life and, and this life with Jesus to just sit. Like, these fruit are, they're action steps. Moving together. Moving together, moving forward, right? Yeah. We're not just sitting. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I know we're not going to talk about it, but really verse 6, in which I did prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> it's faith expressing itself through love. We're not, we're not saved by our working actions. We're saved through a faith that then expresses those actions, right? And I think that kind of sums it up very, very well. Excellent. And I would just note that Paul did not, it wasn't that Paul didn't love Peter or that Peter didn't love Paul. They were brothers in the faith. And uh, in Acts 15, the, the council at Jerusalem, uh, we believe that that this interaction, this confrontation happened before then. And then if you read the account in Acts 15 of the council in Jerusalem, where the young church got together to make sure they were all on the same page, Peter and James backed up Paul in, that, in those circumstances. And so just because we confront each other, just because we have to work through conflict doesn't mean we have to stay there. There is peace to be had in the body of Christ. And many times we miss that peace. So, uh, band, you can come up. You guys can all stand. And I'll just close with this scripture from uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And here's where uh, I hope you land with us this morning. And I hope this is true for you in your own life. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins... You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers, and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God... But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So wherever you find yourself this morning, if you find yourself in a place where you are out of alignment with who God says you are, if you find yourself in a place where you wonder if God can look at you and say with all kindness and grace, You are my child. I'm going to hold you up in the future to come as an example of who my people are. If you wonder about your position, 
I just want you to know that God is always here with us. He is with you. And all you need to do is just express that. Man, I feel alone. I feel far from you. Where are you at? The prayer ministry team is going to be up front this morning. And if it would be helpful for you to have someone pray with you, I'd invite you to come and just receive prayer this morning. Let's not leave this house this morning without without connecting deeply with the Father. God, I thank you this morning that as we have been in this house, as we have heard your word spoken, as we have uh, worshiped you through music and prayer, God, the evidence of you is your people living and producing the fruit of the Spirit. But that production only comes through the indwelling of your Spirit within us. And so this morning, I'm grateful for these people, for the way that you continue to work in us, the the way you continue to bring out the best in us. And so now we wanna just continue just to surrender our lives And as we do, may our lives produce such fruit that our families are changed, our communities are changed, and our world is changed. We give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.